it is. I got a weak chance show it. <laughs> Will's Will's stealing the show to start the podcast. <laughs> Trying um, to show this weird painting. <laughs> this is uh, printed and pressed. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Andrew. And uh, today we're covering a book that was written. Uh, well, it was written in the 90s. It was published. Anyway. It's 2,000 sure it years in the that. making. <laughs> it's 2,000. Not quite. It doesn't get back that far. That'd be the Bible. But um, probably older than that, actually, at this point. Um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, this book is called A World Lit Only by Fire by William Manchester. Uh, it's a very English sounding name, Good but uh, he is a mm -hmm. he is an he was American, right? Uh, yeah, the way he wrote, I would assume he is American. Yeah, I assume yeah. he has to be American. Anyways, um, with a forward by Tom Hanks, which do I do not read that version. No, 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 just, 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 just give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to cringe hardcore when you read the book, definitely read this version. Anyways, uh, but why did we pick this book? Will? what was your reasoning? I thought so. It's funny is that I was actually assigned this as a class assignment once, and I thought it was a really interesting read and like a start for the age. So if you wanted to get interested in this period of time, which at the time I didn't know much about, this was a good introduction. It's by no means meant to be the the end all be all. It touches on a lot of the major happenings and the and you know major characters throughout the story of the Middle Ages. Um, and I thought it was interesting. And also, Chris and Andrew really liked the Borgia show. So, like, yeah, they're going to love this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I've, I've actually, I, I would say if you have zero medieval knowledge whatsoever, period, you have none, um, this book might be entertaining for you or you might learn some things. But if you, if you have a lot of background on what's going on in this time period, this probably isn't a book you're going to read. That's just, I'm going to start it off right there. But let's get into what the book is and what it isn't. We'll start off with a kind of walkthrough of what is in the book and what, what you'll get out of it. Um, and before we do that, Whoa. Forward by Tom Hanks is atrocious. It's an abomination yeah. Yeah. for literature. It's absolutely terrible. And it shows the biases that Tom Hanks has towards different groups of people over history. And um, yeah, I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. Anything that Tom Hanks put well, in this, that's not and the it, and it geared me up the wrong way to read this book. Well, yeah, you're you're easily triggered, Chris. We all know this. But, that's um, not true. That's not true. <laughs> I'm not easily triggered, but Tom Hanks was terrible. No, Tom. Okay, Tom Hanks can trigger a lot of people. Let's be honest here. <laughs> uh, the last good thing he did was contribute to Band of Brothers and his. No, his, his time, that so. the um a man called Otto was a good movie. Actually, they did a good. It was really sad, but, but nothing is nearly as good as. Band of Brothers. I'm talking about his last great. I mean, Brand of Brothers was a great movie. I'll yeah, but also that. Tom Hanks is a great actor. It just his forward apparently, which I didn't read because I didn't have that copy, is apparently terrible. <laughs> it literally makes me not want to read the copies, book. Period. So. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's exactly what you wrote. But in our copies, we have an author note, and the author's yeah. note really is important to read. So when you get in, mm -hmm. just whenever you guys are reading this, maybe you do have it. I Keep do have Chris. it. I do have the author's note. Okay, so it's still got salty. Oh no, but, the, but I <laughs> yeah, did anyway. So the author's note, I, I think it's pretty much summed up in this. Um, he says that he's proud of finishing this book, but it says it is, after all, a slight work with no scholarly pretensions. All the sources are secondary and few are new. I have not mastered recent scholarship on the six, early 16th century. And I think then he goes into saying like how he had experts in the field review each section and how some of them uh, disagreed. With the way that he was telling the story specifically if you go into and look at some of the controversy around surrounding this book 
um, his interpretation of how the medieval mind, which is actually, you know, the it's the portrait of an age, so the mm -hmm. medieval mind, um, that he may have misinterpreted that a little bit and made it bleaker than what it really was. So uh, apparently at the time that he wrote the book, it was a pretty fairly popular idea still. But as Chris, I, I think you pointed it out already. I didn't point uh, it out yet, no. Okay, so nowadays we no longer think it was as bleak as he makes it out in this book. Mm -hmm. um, and it was slightly more hopeful. Also the idea of the, um, I think he does a good job of the book, but we used to call it the Dark Ages. Um, mm -hmm. It's no longer the Dark Ages because it's medieval yeah. period. And they, it they was still called have the Dark Ages because of the fall from Rome, which they were all yes. up for the most part anyway. So. Yeah, it's just a misinterpretation because there's some places that prospered more because of the fall of Rome. There's um, mm -hmm. things that still happened. There's still quite a bit of uh, uh, things still going on. It wasn't necessarily as bleak, again, as he's making out the books. So I just wanted to make yeah. that note. It probably um, helps when you're looking at an era like this to read things contemporary with the era in which you're writing about. So like, for example, I'm reading a book called Piers Plowman, which was written in the 1300s and it gives a much brighter picture of that time period than what he gives in this book period. Well, I yeah, think it's very interesting. I think there's a lot when, when shit hit the fan in the medieval era though, it really hit the fan. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think that's the focus of this more. Oh, so. it definitely is. Um, because on average, when things were okay, it's not a bleak environment. It's still prosperous enough, right? It also depends but, on your your interpretation. So, like from him, he's thinking of yeah. this as an American in the '90s, looking back. It's right. like, wow, that that time sucked. Relative, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, relatively, it did. So, yeah, um, I mean, it, to the Romans, a lot of it sucked too. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. That's why it's called the Dark Ages. Mm -hmm. um, but if you if you put the focus on how people acted when shit hit the fan when there was conflict or plague you're going to see a lot of dark stuff happen in this oh, yeah. there it is a very bleak era that the second anything like that happens so i don't necessarily fault him for depicting it that way because your daily life was on the precipice of going dark very fast yep. and being hopeless so that that's my take on it i don't yeah. know well the life expectancy was like 30 yeah so. i mean just that alone right that's kind of that is bleak oh it's super, i would be dead <laughs> so yeah that's it's very bleak i mean for for the record I, I, the only pass he gets from me is the fact that this was written in the 90s like you said before the age of the internet before we had a lot of information that we have access to now and, and it's readily at our fingertips you don't have to go hunting or searching for it so what information he had available was based on what publications books etc were available to him in the area he lived in or where he was willing to travel to well and so based on that i give him a pass on some of his um historical inaccuracies but he doesn't get a pass for his bias okay <laughs> there is some he bias doesn't have he, i mean okay chris i know you're gonna you you have a lot where you're complaining about historical inaccuracies he doesn't have significant ones that i really notice that stand out there's things that he takes a stand on because he's not in this to debate them. He's picking a narrative that he believes to be true because he's trying to create a timeline that is just a timeline story of what the mind is. Even if he's only showing one side of certain topics, per se. Yeah. Like, okay, for example, Borgia. There is debate about the incest accusations of the Borgia family. Yeah, but from the mind of the laity, 
that's what he's framing a lot of those things on. So the people he yeah. constantly brings up the people that are surrounding those areas. That's what they thought. So he, he does frame a lot of those propaganda. Things. That was yeah. the propaganda of the era of, for the Italian mm-hmm. uh, church member, the cardinals and everything. They were spreading that everywhere. That was the public image of them because they were doing everything they could to not have another non-Italian pope. Like if you he does say Italian. that too, like a couple times when he quotes some of these people yeah. who are talking on this, is like he does frame it to let you know that this is propaganda. But he he is taking it from. But he again, does also take it. He does also take a lot of that information from a diary of someone that was technically within the Borgia yes. circle. So it's not a hundred percent just bias that is like against him. It's a legitimate source that would have been rewarded yeah. by Borgia. He, he didn't, you know, influence his diary in any way. He just didn't think it was important. So it, there is honesty there. I know there's controversy, but he's just trying to paint the era from the most popular narrative, I guess, that he can find at the time. Yep. And I don't think that we should fault him because he's just trying to, as I said, paint that picture of what people were thinking because he's trying to show – the whole purpose of this book is Magellan stuff. <laughs> That's his focus. It's like this is the world that Magellan was uh, was a product of. Okay, but here's the thing. All right, people, even if they did not have wristwatches or giant clock towers or whatever, whatever you have in these day and age, people could still tell time to the extent that they were able to get to where they needed to be. So, for example, whoa, 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 if you whoa. had church, the just just let me, let me just stop. Did not care. Okay, but you know what? There were still church bells. There were still people that did things at specific times of day. People weren't stupid. And he kind of paints the picture like yeah. people were stupid. Did you read the Wikipedia? Because that's the only argument that they make. <laughs> Just out of curiosity. <laughs> no, okay. I, I totally agree with you, by the way, Chris. So that was something that I also, like, again, now that I we have, have more information on this. Yeah. I, I do have complaints. Like, Okay, the thing is, there's zero footnotes time, too. He literally does not give you any thing. window into the research he did for this. Zero. I mean, he has an entire. He has a whole thing about sources. What are you talking yeah. about? I said footnotes. So as he's giving you the facts, yeah, he gives you the the books. That well, he it's written into. like a story. I mean, I yeah, feel like if, if you're upset with that, like... then yeah, I can understand you un- unhappy with the structure of it. But he does give you the sources, and every anytime he quotes someone, he tells you who it is. Yeah. So this this book essentially has three parts, though, right? We got the medieval mind is part one. Yeah. That's what uh, the biggest people, pe- biggest thing that people complain about online is part yeah. one. I, okay, I gotta say something though. You are fairly critical of this this take about the uh, the average surf not giving a shit about time because that's true. Like the church cared about time. You think that? Okay. Besides the bell ringing because the church is ringing the bell to tell people to do something do you think the serfs really paid attention to time legit question there chris i would say well i would say they paid attention to daylight okay yeah because you can't work night during that time not as well even even then that's just saying oh it's noon yeah that that's not precise they cared about their meals that's for sure (laughs) if they had food yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like the the thing I'm saying is, you're a big fan of the fourth turning. The fourth turning makes the same exact claims about the medieval era. Mm, not quite. Not quite. It does about the a lot of it. That's all I'm saying. It makes very similar claims about to- of things that weren't like Roman. Okay, 
when you didn't have high civilization. And my way of classifying the medieval era is you have a, basically two worlds intermingled. You have the peasantry who just does what they're freaking told. And then you have the educated class, which was basically the church and nobles, right? Yeah, I would, I would they argue knew almost time and like, everything, but a lot did not. I would argue <laughs> almost that their lives were more regulated by time than you're giving credit because they were regulated by, I have church at this time. I have work during this time period when my, whoever my master, I guess for lack of a better term says, I get paid this much money for this amount of time every day. I have meals at these times specifically because that's when they let us have meals. I would almost argue that they were ruled by time. I mean, whether they knew they were or not. That, yeah, well, you're just making the argument for like a diurnal creature right now. So yeah. yes, I mean animals from, do the same freaking thing, correct? But yes. they but they also did not have no. But it's not like they're scheduling things. I'm saying it's not like they're scheduling a strict schedule. It's just when they get fed, they get fed. They're no different than the horse that you put out to, you know, plow the field. Yeah. No, I, no, that's not. I, 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 I take some serious complaint against your classification well you have peasants you have an internal clock so that's what he what you're kind of arguing right now it's like yes they had a concept of time but it would not nearly be as precise as we have now you could ask anyone they didn't have a wristwatch no but it's not it's not remotely the same as what we have as far as time schedules and precision that's what we're that's the thing Chris. yeah but if you didn't get up before dawn to get out in the fields you might not get paid well you didn't really get paid as a serf anyway you got fed, whatever, whatever you want to call payment. That's, that's I'm just saying, got. horses I mean, don't wake up at the crack of dawn and go for the food if you feed them at the specific time. That doesn't mean enough. you have timekeeping. Okay, well, I think we're going to disagree on that one, and we can move on to the next part. <laughs> okay. But I think I think the framing of the medieval mind. Yeah, he does was, make it bleaker, and like I said, that people does. push back on it, and they well, push back on it now. He's also a little bit annoying early on when he talks about. Um, what he views as Christian versus non-Christian traits because he, he seems to want to give like all the great things to um, the Romans and the Greeks, which is frustrating, Yes, which is very frustrating. I will concur with that. And his, for example, he tried to say that wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance were not, Christian, oh yeah, they're Christian. anti-Christian. They, they were the pagan themes that were more. Yeah, which yeah. is a stupid argument to make because it's he, the dumbest. Nothing, like, nothing he put brings up in the rest of the book supports that, and nothing <laughs> in history supports that either. There, so there's literally nothing except you know, there's something that 100 disproves it, and that's every single freaking thing said in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> but what's funny is like he read, he must have read that Tom Hanks uh, forward before he wrote that section. Yeah, because it's just like. <laughs> Yeah. Well, he so also like makes like this like justice. this low blow <laughs> attack where he says that um, like it's in the very first page that uh, the like Bible is super inconsistent, and this is like uh, like that was completely unnecessary. You're not a biblical scholar, so don't pretend to be. You well, don't make those claims at all for the rest of the of the. I'm story. willing to give him a pass because I think since then there's been a lot more proven <laughs> about the consistencies. Yeah, but even I just, I yeah, I agree that you know again what Chris was saying is product of the time, but yeah. it was an unnecessary extra sentence that does not add oh, to the story. Is. It's clearly a biasy. Oh yes, he. You um, know the the bulk of conflicting it. footnotes in Bibles 
came out I, this is just because i've done way too much biblical scholarly research on like what causes revisions and stuff because i bought i read into so many of these but essentially a lot of the footnotes that have like conflicting views of historical biblical timelines occurred during this time frame so like if you were trying to prove or disprove something this is the time period when that was all going on and so a lot of times bibles especially before the 90s whatever bibles he had access to were either like the og king james your your um dewey reams catholic one which he probably didn't read mm -hmm. or you had like one or two revised copies that were popular at this time that were revisions of the king james and those revisions had some very conflicting footnotes I mean, but let's let's be honest though if you look at the duty rhymes or king james they're both very good translations yeah and also that's not what he's talking about so the inconsistency he's talking about is like Actual Jesus is yeah. Jesus is contradicting himself. That is what he's trying to say. Not oh, that okay. our interpretation. Well, no, no, that, that's when those type of footnotes were coming out. If no, you look, I know. If well, you look at some of the revisions that were coming out at the time he wrote but this, Chris, Chris, they were pretty inconsistent. But Chris, let's be honest. If you're actively reviewing this, you the King James version is pretty well understood <laughs> to exist. Well, as he, like he, a that's the one that he, like to be fair, based on the time period that he's covering the King James would have been an important Bible to reference. Cause it was either in the process of being made or it was cause it was made between yeah. the time frame of like the 15, I think eighties and 1611. I'm going to break it to you. He did that. Did not reference the Bible for this. I, I don't know. He, he there's no way he did. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Cause it's not, although obviously he clearly didn't the but christendom was obviously the focus of this book simply because of the time frame and the region yeah. he's looking at um but he's he's taking it from he's trying to take it from a not christian scholarly perspective and i think mm -hmm. in most cases it's fine but then there's like this case where it's like why did you say that you don't know what you're talking about just focus on the main characters like you do for the rest of the story so well, I I just felt like he spent he spent a long time on specific characters that had nothing to do with Magellan, and then clearly the whole book is written to give you the backdrop of Magellan, who had almost nothing to do with most of what's going on here, other than the fact up. that he like, was. How, did, how do you get to Magellan? Is really what it was. It's yeah. it's hard. It's a hard link because it he's is... trying. He's trying to set up the mind for the Renaissance, so to speak, just yeah. the Renaissance of thought, where where all these great thinkers explorers um just also it goes from again rome to christendom has has taken over and yeah. at that point you know there's also this rigidity so like um saying that the world's flat and not being able to change that when you get to magellan he's proving that it's not so mm -hmm. it, there is sort of a link it's it's loose because it would have been nice if he had reminded you that that was the point the entire time. Mm -hmm. Like you were trying. That's to that. I felt like a lot of this book was like, okay, what is the point of this section? Yeah, like well, taking a step back, I can kind of see how it got to Magellan, but it's not clear. Like I, I actually kind of forgot that I was supposed to get to Magellan. I read this. Book <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be a complaint. That can be yeah. a complaint. Yes. I mean, I think it's important though to just kind of look at it. Because what he's really trying to show is that this is an era of persecution. It kind yeah. of is. And people right? sucking. Just everyone sucks. Yeah, everyone sucks. There's a ton there's of also this great... There's like, sorry, go on. I don't mean to cut you off. No, I was just saying there's a ton of persecution in all forms. Like it, yeah. You have the religious conflict. You have people just finding ways to take stuff from each other if they mm -hmm. can. And you have it where the church persecutes the uh, rebellions 
persecute. You have it on all levels between the actual religious reasons or just political reasons. Yeah. A lot of it was political. And then yeah. another thing is that though he gives you like all of the terrible things that were happening, he also shows you that there's so much amazing things that are also occurring at the same time. Like mm -hmm. all of these um, cathedrals that are being built, these yeah. great works of art, these uh, institutions that we still have today, these great thinking institutions um, were all being bankers, built. The, yeah. the, the uh, business people of the era. All yeah, so it's a, it's a so, really weird time of conf conflict because you have like this, I don't know, like, I don't know what the word is, but like just terribleness, well, but then also like you this have a accomplishment. In, this in, in this section, I will give him the credit of showing how you get from knights to merchants and that whole process because that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see really a whole lot of issues with how he did that. Um, I just feel like these are three distinct, the three sections of this book are like distinct snapshots of different things going on that unless you actually tie it together with your writing, there's nothing here for me yeah. that tells me why these things are linked. Like I said, I forgot I was getting to Magellan and I've read it more than once. So yeah. <laughs> now my biggest, my biggest complaint with this book, especially in the first section is the span of time in which he's covering in that first section it's just, it's far too big. It's far too big. You you can't cover it in the amount of pages he's covering it. And he's just hitting highlights and he acts like everything he puts down is essentially like, this is, this is the way it happened. He doesn't give you like I mean, the fact that he's being a little subjective in places and without getting into specific details. Um, I did find, unless you read the author's note, which he'll, t he tells you that he does do that. Yeah, so. I, I, I understand that. I'm just saying like you lose that author's note, the further you get into this book, because your brain is not remembering what he said. In the I don't know. I didn't lose it. I read it with that context in mind because I didn't read that immediately after being pissed off by Tom Hanks. <laughs> Anyways, the, uh, <laughs> the thing that I found most interesting in this opening section, I think it was the opening section is he's talking about like some great literature and he brings up obviously Chaucer and like, I think he brings up the author of Beowulf. I could be wrong about that. Um, but the thing that was funny was he brings up William Langland, who wrote Piers Plowman, the book that I'm reading right now. And and although he mentions like the works of everybody else, he like decides, nah, we don't need to talk about Piers Plowman. Just like forget that, even though it's like the most important work of the time right before Chaucer, which is even funnier. But anyway, well, it's just a minor complaint. I think I think um that first part where he really talks about the different uh, religious conflict kind of stuff a little bit, like at an overview, mm -hmm. like he talks about how Arianism as a sect was very vindictive mm -hmm. and that brought in a, like its influence kind of brought in the violence aspect to Christianity a little bit. The forced about the, conversions. The Visigoths? Is that yeah, that's actually about? really yeah. important. So um, I was thinking about this going through the Luther section. It's actually really important to understand the politics in Germany um mm -hmm. and like how that all happened going back to this point so the the, the gothic um, christians that end mm -hmm. up becoming absorbed into the catholics so it's it is interesting to see that that mentality and some of the things that, that started off as vikings <laughs> um and barbaric germans mm -hmm. still carry through up until um luther and it actually informs a lot of the theology in that area at the time yeah, I mean, there's plenty of sects in the Christian faith that were just completely wiped out in the, <laughs> just genocided, basically, in the Roman era still. Um, you have it where 
obviously the church became the wealthiest landowner. I think everyone knows that. Um, he which is why make... during which is why during the Protestant um, movement, you have a lot of these monarchs who are taking the church's land specifically to take that money. Them, though I can't fault them because when you read through the politics, well, I absolutely of Germany, can. No, 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 because the German in Germany over half the wealth was going to it was basically going to Italy and the church and it's, yeah, and it's like that's well beyond the 10% tithing Chris. but also you they're, know they're what they're paying for do you know how they get to that point though do you know how they wind up end up sending that much money to the roman emperor do you know how that happens dude they're sending do you, so you, much no, no, you didn't answer crusades. my question you're not yes my they were requested to give money to them for the crusades they're talking about how much which were money, canceled yeah, which was when the money never returned. Like the the nobles were being told to give money. You know, at this, at this time, you know, at this time though, um, the Roman Empire that had formed started in Germany, and so they started by giving lots of money to the German emperors, and I think that just continued on through this era, especially with the Crusades, because when the Roman Empire rebooted the Western side. It started with the German emperors. Are you talking after about the Roman Empire? Because that's completely I am. different. Yeah, that's, that's not. That's not the same thing. Different. I know. Um, but the so you have he makes a valid point though about the holidays. still associated with the Pope. The Pope was the one who elevated Henry II up to be the Holy Roman Emperor in like the 1100s. I mean, it all starts with Charlemagne. Yeah, Charlemagne um, was before that. I agree. No, but the the thing is, like, he also makes a very valid point though about. The church co-opting pagan holidays. No, no, yes. he doesn't. There's the days, a whole the specific days. If you, yeah, if you, I are. could do a whole podcast on just that alone, and I'm not going to do that. The here. date chosen, Chris. The dates chosen. Yes, and then, I mean, technically, you could say that a lot of a lot of Catholic tradition mm -hmm. is very ritualistic, and that's kind of also like even the concept of candles. The way candles are used, I'm just saying that he makes yeah, it doesn't make it inherently wrong. It's just it doesn't make it wrong. It just no. says that they're, they're taking certain practices that are making them a little bit more ritualistic, which is easier for pagans to yeah. accept. And also, again, I they don't know these dates. You can completely disagree, but I can see it with what you're saying. I, I'm just I'm saying. just putting that out there. I completely it's too coincidental that they always overlap with what you're saying. A holiday. Hey, I'm I'm just make, making a point that now, here, here no no what you're what you're bringing up is something that I have pulled up right here that is an issue in the church it's always been an issue in the church it's called folk Catholicism you know what that is no enlighten us enlighten folk us, Catholicism is essentially where Catholic practices that in kind of enter into churches localized to an area um, have infused cultural aspects to them. So, for example, here's the definition right here. Folk Catholicism can be broadly described as various ethnic expressions and practices of Catholicism intermingled with aspects of folk religion. So you're talking about like Irish fairies, those kinds of things. And like that belief system is generally a cultural thing that's been absorbed into a yeah. localized area. What we're trying to say, which we've had this discussion before off this podcast, mm. is that it the 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 practice a lot of practices in, that are related to the catholic teachings still it's not taught this way per, by the church but in practice a ton of people have developed a culture 
of something that is a little bit more ritualistically tied to exactly what you're just saying. And that's a problem still. Yeah. Well, and also if what you're describing as the folk Catholicism, yes, yes, it is an issue. An that issue. is an that's issue. Still a, that's still a that's not an issue, issue with the foundation of the faith. No. Okay. I don't but think we're saying that practice. We're saying in practice. That's why we, we've brought up certain things that get turned into yeah. issues. But also back to the holiday dates. I mean, that is a known thing that they didn't yeah. know the dates. So why wouldn't you be like, Hey, that's the date. I mean, you well, had we're not saying one. Easter is, but uh, cause I'm pretty sure Easter actually has a legit date, but yeah. I think they've um, recalculated that one or something. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, but the Christmas other ones like, specifically also like the same day. I mean, again, you don't know what day. Yeah, there is a there is not. I I don't know the exact um, background of Christmas in the Catholic Church, but I know that there are scholarly questions as to whether or not you would have shepherds in the field during the cold months of December. No, he and therefore we just don't know when. Yeah, there's a lot of people who actually think it was probably. Oh, I'm sorry, not time I'm sorry. He definitely was born. Sorry, it's a completely different holiday. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of people who say that he was most likely born in September. Yeah. This is yeah. a historical, no, the, theological, scholarly debate. I'm and, not. And Christmas I'm not getting just in on so that happens. Yeah. We're, we're just saying Christmas just so happens to be a previous pagan holiday time. Yeah, and again, so. it's not that they're absorbing necessarily like all the pagan practices. Yeah. It's just like. When you are converting a people, you're usurping you, their holidays. Yeah, why yeah. wouldn't you do that? It's the same thing as the temples. Like, you know, it makes so much sense not to just completely raise a pagan temple instead of be like, nope, that temple for Athena, nope, that's a church now. Like, why yeah. wouldn't you do it? It's a beautiful building. Well, and, you could easily take what's well, like, like remove the pagan statues. aspects of oh, it yeah. and keep the building. Well, I mean, so like I've been to the Vatican and there's a ton of statues that they have there that they took from various pagans. parts of the world. Yeah. They're very pagan. Uh, but they they etched the faces sometimes to make it look more like Abrahamic and things like that, and that kind of terminology. And they're very open about it. If you could do the tour, they tell you it's like that statue used to be Zeus, but mm -hmm. like we changed it a little bit, and now it's God. There you go. Mm -hmm. Well, there is a reason why a lot of Greeks, um, when they when they did art depicting God, it kind of looked Zeusy. Yeah, there's uh, there's also his point in here about you know the popes that were captured by the French. <laughs> Yeah, there's, to move there's out of multiple. Vatican. There's also this, the whole. I forget. Does he talk about Tyndale at all in this? I can't remember. Um, I don't remember, but he does. He definitely talks about when you had the multiple different popes. Yeah, he oh, doesn't really popes. talk about Tyndale. Yeah. He does remember if he. Um, I think he brings I remember if he did or not. Bible, actually, I he does I bring that one up because they were being persecuted at the time. It definitely let. It definitely added to um, some of the aspects that were going on for Magellan. Yeah. Tyndale was just a footnote, though, if I remember correctly. Like, he yeah. wasn't a, like a main character. Like Luther was obviously, they give a lot more time to Luther in this book. He talks, he also really talks about um, the how cathedrals, just like with how long they took to build, basically three to yes. four centuries. Mm -hmm. He talks about how um, they're just very much a symbol for the mindset of the era uh, yeah. because we don't really know anything about the architects or the builders yeah they're just they're kind of name they're just nameless and what we have is just this community built project you know mm -hmm. um that was a fascinating thing to bring well, up tyndale was not yeah. a footnote but yeah i guess there's more of them in there's there. a lot of tyndale's but the thing is is like a, there's a lot of things that I'm just going to make this general comment. I'm not going to delve into specifically yeah. Tyndale, but there's a lot of things that were 
hidden behind the veil of like an action by the church in order to get a political thing to happen. And a lot of what goes on during the Reformation, I'm not, I don't like calling it that, but that's fine. If you want to call it that, the historical Reformation. Um, I mean, it did lead to a lot of Reformation in the church. You can't deny that. I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't like that terminology, but that's fine. Um, a lot of it was politics. A lot of it was politically driven. Mm -hmm. There was mm -hmm. monarchs that wanted things done that they were able to accomplish by removing the church. Um, there was other people they didn't like that they were able to burn at the stake by changing the rules. Uh, you get the Calvinists who went what extremely rigid to the point where people were having a hard time living. I mean, in this that's era. that. Let's be honest, though, that is a direct opposite and equal reaction to the pure, just orgy fueled Vatican at the time. So that hypocrisy there was just something that pushed them. I, the I'm not. I'm not saying that. what drove drove them to it. I'm just saying like. I'm saying this is an era of extremes, Chris. Yes. yes. Very polar like, extremes. In every, I mean, this every is a world where point. you're guilty until proven innocent. It's a world lit only by fire. No, I mean, <laughs> seriously, though, this was one yeah. where you are guilty until proven innocent. That's This is what has led to exactly what And sometimes you are proven in innocent. Sometimes you are proven innocent by, oh, you're a witch? Let's tie a cinder block well, I mean, around you crushed, and throw you into a river you <laughs> and to, see if you, you survive. Though, it really did crush ideas and innovation. In any of yeah. these places that were having extreme, like, that were victims of extreme thought, instantly, like, the one party would come in and start accusing you of something. So yeah. it would crush anyone who had a differing idea it, you just that the whole witch concept, right? Like you, if you said something that was different, they found a way to say you're a heretic, a heretic or a witch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the book did a pretty good. Again, this is just supposed to be a cursory glance at this. Yeah, but it does a good job of telling you some of the political machinations of like what led. Again, he focuses a lot of time on Luther. Mm -hmm. He does a good job telling you like okay, and so the Borgias. Have, like in the Borgias too, like giving you time to think about like. Uh, what is the Pope thinking at this time? What is he doing? What are these mm -hmm. other Cardinals doing? What is this Prince doing? What is Luther thinking? What is, you know, and no, again, it just shows you that there's so much going on. A lot of it's political. And it's just, again, it's the time. And he doesn't paint anyone as good. No, they also I just, I just want to point out, he criticizes basically everybody. Um, I mean, at this time, you have to realize what was going on with the Catholic Church, especially at the Vatican. It was very corrupt. Extremely. I disagree. <laughs> you can't disagree. I can if you I want. You can't. To. It's fact that every one of those popes at this time, your five bad popes, every single one of them was guilty of nepotism by just giving out car like cardinal hats and bishops. That is a subjective to... view. One no. was 10. No, one of them was 10 years old, didn't do a single thing of training and was made a bishop of a place that he was never going to go move to either. That's you Pope Leo over there, just giving out things to Medici children. Then you have Borgia who had how many bastard children? Think uh, how many did he have, Chris? I don't have a clue, but I have I have and a counter I have, have, I have a, a counterpoint. Did he not what have you're a saying the here. entire time in the Vatican with him? I don't have an answer to that question. I know that he's portrayed that way in many shows and programs. Oh my gosh, you're going to say it's bull crap. No, I'm not. I'm. I'm I have a different. He argument. admits to all of it. Will stuff. you allow me to counter your point? Ed, Ed. 
The only thing I'm going to say on this point is, no, I don't believe the church is corrupt. I believe in my mind, because I am a Catholic, that the popes at the time were put in place <laughs> for a reason. And we will never know that reason until we die and we find out that way. Okay, I, I got a counterpoint to that. Two of them. One, I would agree that the uh, the institution, or I guess the church itself is not corrupt, but the people definitely were. So I don't know how you'd separate the two. But two. Well, the um, Bible itself was not corrupted. We'll yeah, say that. I guess, yeah, the religion. I'm the enforcement to think about was corrupted. Yeah, there you go. The, the, the Bible was not corrupt. You see, there's two things here, Chris. There's the Bible and the religious texts not being corrupt. And then there's the people who are charged with enforcing The actual it, practice being, the people enforcing. Yeah, yeah, who are supposed to live by it and and, and teach it and enforce the uh, enforce the standards. They were corrupt. Yeah, and there's also there's obviously not, I, not all of them were. I am in disagreement because I believe, and this is my belief, that whatever person is put in charge of the church, but there for a reason. And I am not going to pretend like I know what that reason so was. So my comment is, did those popes live by biblical values? Did anybody in the Bible live by biblical values other than Jesus himself? My comment is... is You're not answering that question. Is, no, right. here's the thing. Is the Pope not expected to live by those values? The expectation and strive that we for live it, by and strive for them, right? The like, expectation strive. that we live by those values is not is not solely to the Pope, it's to everybody. Yes, but I would like you to name for me a single person besides the one that we do. All we lament about. David's actions or do we celebrate them, Chris? Oh, we lament them. So, okay, can you at least lament the actions of these people? The there are definitely individual actions I would frown upon. Okay, Chris, my question is this. Was Salvinarola I am not of his prepared. No, I'm not prepared to comment on that one. I have no idea. Really, because he was also a devout Catholic who commented I know he lacked obedience. Obedience to sin is not is not a task okay, but in charge of the Bible. You're you're this is a conversation for a different time. Okay, I'm just saying Salvinarola. This is a conversation for orgies. Wait, I'm just saying it, he called out orgies. He called out all sorts of this terrible behavior, very unchristian behavior, because he should tell his flock that that behavior is not good. It's not acceptable. It is not Christian. Okay, okay. that but, is something what, he should do, or he would be leading his flock astray. What? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay. You know and what? You keep you keep going on and on and on. And I disagree killed. with you. I'm just gonna flat out say I disagree with you. He was killed for it though. That was the punishment for that time frame. I'm not no, saying it's he, right, but that's the punishment that you get for that. No, but that shouldn't have been the punishment. This should never be the punishment within the church. Because he was the one never, upholding huh? Christian values. Yes, he was the was one. He most. Now? Yes, was he, he now? Was he now? Mm, yes. Interesting. He was. He was. I don't know what you're. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> so I believe. You know, I, I mean, I believe that, that they have real. I believe there's a real. The church has recanted on that action, haven't they? I don't know that they have or haven't, but I want to. I point think out they have recanted. I fact. want to point something out for you. Okay. There is a specific way in which 
the the uh, the Christians are expected to handle calling yeah. out their brother's sin. Is it by publicly decreeing that what one person is doing is sinful and that that person should be called out? Or do we call out the sins, like St. Paul says, and quietly tell our brothers and sisters what they're doing wrong? I mean, how does how do you rectify wait, that what? with burning people for heresy, Chris? I know you're going to support that here in a second. I never said I supported burning for heresy. And he was burned for heresy. But, but then, yeah, um, I'm just I saying, can... like technically speaking, the penalty for that era was death. Pretty okay, for pretty much Paul, anything you do wrong, penalty for error, doing... because they didn't have prisons to put people in, so they just kill them. If somebody is, I'm not. I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. That's orgies. what they did. If the issue of the day, if if he's preaching from the pulpit about sins that you should not be committing. And he's talking about orgies and things that are being done in certain locations and how they should not be used as examples, even though, because like you got to realize he is having to dispel the image that this is acceptable. Yeah, because people are asking someone, about it. Yeah, because someone significantly higher up than him in the church there is are ways it is good. to handle. There are ways to handle it without directly causing shame to what, the institution. What's crazy to me is that is you're defending him getting burned instead of defending him calling this out. Mm-hmm. I have never said that he was wrong about what he said, but yeah, you're defending there him. are I ways to handle I don't, it. I don't understand. I, I guess I don't understand how one can handle it the way there you There are expectations for how you handle things. Well, it's like you're saying he didn't leave a voicemail, but he put posted on social media. Like he shouldn't get burned for this. Sure. Maybe I did not have. say that he should get burned for it. I'm telling well, you that, that was the penalty. <laughs> that was the penalty at the time when he did this. That doesn't okay. mean I agree with let's it. Let's move on. I don't think Chris is going to move on this one. <laughs> and neither will Andrew. So let's go on. <laughs> do I think that the punishment fit the crime? No, I do not. But that was the punishment for the era. I don't think there was a crime. That is fine <laughs> for you to say that. I mean, what about... That's, that is your opinion. If I find out the church has already recanted on this, I will let you know. <laughs> I think they did, but yeah. Go I ahead. don't know for sure. I'm just letting you know that I know that's the punishment. What about what the part when he uh, is talking about the reference to how much beer these people drank? Especially, oh, yeah. Especially in Britain where it's yeah. like they get a... Uh, capital allowance, like their allowance is like one gallon of beer a day. Yeah, and you start at eight or something? Yeah, it's crazy. That's the English for you, though. Yeah. That explains so much. That's why, also why life expectancy was total yep. shit. Yep. Um, but the water was nasty, so that was the cleanest thing you could drink. That's that's true. Everyone hated the English. I mean, they still do, but that's... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't see I don't think he actually did get um I don't think the church ever recanted on this one. That's pretty messed up. But all right. Um there's also the fact that pilgrimages as like a punishment. I don't know. I still a lot of uh, a lot of myself. The only people who have said that that was wrong was essentially the Protestants because they call him a proto-Protestant. Anyways, back to this. Go ahead. Um, Which is crazy to me because he wasn't protest. I guess he was protesting in a way. I mean, he was told to recant 
Well, the, the Catholic Church did come out and say, in if you read up in the Wikipedia, the, the Catholic Church did come out and say, like, no, he's not a proto-Protestant. He pretty much aligned with Rome other than him doing things inappropriately and in how he handled calling out clergy. So that's the main thing they said about that. There was, um, I mean, I'll say this with certain, with certain things, I feel like he does not do an adequate job in this book of describing the context of certain actions, just the sign of the times, you know, like he'll just say something happened and not put in deeper context. I know there's the, uh, persecution of Jews in Spain, that type of thing. He just kind of brings it up as without delving into it a little bit more. But he doesn't really talk about why people. Yeah, were doing he doesn't that. talk about why. Um, which I think. Oh, they, I, I guess they apologize for Galileo. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did apologize they for Galileo. Apologize yeah, for but I don't think they killed Galileo, did they? They, they just they just exiled him, didn't they? Yeah, they, he died in his house. Yeah, under house arrest. Yeah, because he wasn't he wasn't actually killed by them, but like I guess the aftermath. Been, of what he was he too popular to, to be fair. He was protected by a um, patron in the city. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. Galileo, because he was actually correct about what he was bringing. I mean, up. it was not are, heresy what he did. <laughs> what about? I mean, the, it might have been at the time. I don't know, but the big thing that really popped everything off though is when you look at Germany, they're very. It's that's where everything really happens, right? Because they send the people to sell indul- indulgences to Germany. And a lot of that was handled by the local bishops. It wasn't necessarily. You still got accountability. Yeah. The buck yeah. stops with the Pope still, Chris. That's all I'm, I'm not, saying. I'm not disagreeing with you, but based on reading up on the era further, it sounds like there was an awareness. I mean, he he makes that point in the book that, Tetzel kind of went on his own, but he was still being sponsored by one of the bishops in the area who, again, they were informing Pope Leo and Pope Leo was just, didn't really care. He's I like, mean, oh. Leo kind of ignored a lot. Oh yeah. He, ignored be honest, he was, too, he was I, yeah. too busy spending all the money. I'm not arguing that they're the popes are fiscally responsible. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> no, but the thing, like he didn't hold a lot of accountability over the actions of the curia or the cardinals that were out there doing things like it's very apparent in this book when he talks about certain actions where they just kind of do things well there's also some you know miscommunications that um he highlights in this book where essentially like the cardinal's going out and he assumes that what he's doing is giving penalties to luther that uh he never carries out essentially and then oh yeah that first thing never gets gets there yeah right and never gets there and so the cardinal mm-hmm. doesn't do what he's supposed to do and then leo thinks it's handled so it's like that clearly didn't work out in the favor no. of the church but it, it is really important to remember though that the church literally owned half the wealth in germany half I, I'm not arguing about who owned what I'm just saying like the miscommunication clearly caused more damage than it could have well, Luther had legitimate complaints. Can we get into the most important part of this book? The whole reason he wrote it in the first place? I mean, it's kind of the most boring part. I like this part a lot. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the whole book. He gets around the world, sort of. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. And then he... Uh, Becomes a little prophet in the Philippines. <laughs> yeah, he decides to get way too religious in the Philippines and dies because yeah. he's... But he allegedly cured somebody with prayer, which is super cool, actually. 
Yeah, but I mean, that is also, pretty neat. But it also messed with his head to the it point did, that it he did. went yep. and was stupid. Yep. But the but you know jokes on uh, jokes on him or the what is it jokes on the people who wrote about him because ninety five percent of the Philippines is Catholic now. Oh man, they at are least like, according to the book, they are nuts now, Chris. Mm-hmm. Not sorry, they are great people, but that's the <laughs> the Catholicism part is a little nuts. I think that's the country where they actually do like um, how many cardinals uh, do you public have from public the crucifixions and stuff. Don't they, they do? Yes, and they volunteer for that, and also right. they straight up just murder people for drug stuff and things like that. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Chris, how many cardinals do you have from the Philippines? I feel like they're underrepresented. I have no idea the answer <laughs> to that question. That's not really something that I would be paying attention to. No, they're a little in, too intense for, even for Rome. <laughs> But this is interesting because, like, Magellan, like, he's like, if I go home now at different parts of the story, he's like, I'm going to go home with nothing. And he's already, didn't he go essentially um, without the blessing of his kingdom? Like, he oh, uh, allied with him. That part. It wasn't, didn't he, like, ally with the Portuguese instead of the Spanish? No, he, Spanish? he was Portuguese. He went with the Spanish. Chris. Oh, he went with, that's right. I knew, I knew yeah. there was mixed loyalties here. Right. So, and then. <clears throat> that caused conflict throughout because he had Spanish admirals on his uh, fleet and they wanted to usurp him a couple times. Multiple, more than once. They lost ships along the way. Well, this, I said a couple times, Chris. This whole, this whole voyage was way more dangerous than it seems like anybody expected. Of course it was. I mean, that seaway is very dangerous too down there mm-hmm. by Argentina. So, um, Plus, there's no way they could have ever known how much food they actually needed to bring. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, because they don't know the distances, and also, yeah. like, there people are still telling you that it's flat, so you're like yeah. you're just sailing to the edge of the world. Yeah, imagine. Even, sorry, go on. Imagine if you actually like, if, like, okay, so for the flat earthers out there, imagine the world was actually flat and you got to the edge. What would you do? Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, the new flat ride it off the edge, man. No, 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 no. So at the time, yes, that's exactly what would happen, but. For the new flat earth stuff, it's ringed by uh, uh, mountains, so you wouldn't actually go off the edge. You oh, just hit the mountains. That's what yeah. the flat so earthers land on the yeah. mountain range. Huh. Yeah, interesting. I didn't know that. So, I mean, he Magellan gets stupid. I don't like. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> I didn't think he was stupid. I thought he got um. What's the hubristic? Word? Hubristic, yeah. But no, in the end, stupid, he kind of he kind of wins. Hubristic is stupid. Okay, yeah, that's when you stop viewing yourself as man. I mean, I, I think as man and I think he technically won though because the lasting thing is we got Magellan straight and he, he, he basically shit. converted the whole the whole. Uh, I mean, he died, but he, he no, he didn't win shit. His entire family went extinct. <laughs> Nobody will ever forget him because of Magellan straight though. I mean, unless he left some babies in the Philippines like all his sailors did. <laughs> I doubt it, based on his uh, holier-than-thou attitude at the time. Fine, maybe there's some Mother Marys there that are Magellan babies. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, long story short, this guy sails essentially sails all the way across the world to the Philippines from, Port- from Portugal. Yes, and um, Portugal, same thing. Yeah, um, and it they he dies in the Philippines, but they end up completing the journey back to Spain. Yeah. And then they try to discredit him, but then the journals later on tell the story and eventually yeah, they try to give cleared. credit to the Spanish guy, basically. That yeah. Survives. Wasn't it his relative? 
No, it was one oh, of the no, his relative died. Against him. Didn't he kill his relative? No, his his relative got killed in the because the Filipinos were sick and tired of the Spanish banging all the chicks there. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. They invited them to dinner and killed them. Yes, brutally killed a bunch of them. So, I mean, it's the journey took a long time, but the story in telling it is very fast. Okay, it was like, a pretty fast story. Yeah, it's not. It's not a difficult story i mean he gives a lot of background on magellan and i kind of wish that there was interspersed in what's going on in magellan's maybe he could have told the story more yeah again i forgot we're talking about magellan so it'd been cool (laughs) to be like i'm focusing on this one part of history because it's gonna it's like just keep this one in mind because it's gonna lead into magellan i don't know how exactly he could have woven the narrative that way but it would have been nice because to chris's point he does focus on some things a little bit more than others And it is confusing if you don't see the path that he's going. Yeah, if you if you really if you understand the author's note before you read this, then I think it's fine. But yeah. because like he really likes to give the perspective of the age. So, for example, another thing that he talked about it it's basically that the uh, the fact that artists of that day cared way more about creating mm-hmm. beauty. And more than any moral quandaries about where, like where the money came from or whatever else there was, it was just all about the mission. You know what I'm saying? It's very objectives based. That's what Magellan was too. He didn't care how he got there. He just cared that he got there. Right. So he's trying to create that image. When you look through who the author, like what the authors did, what the playwrights did, what the artists did, what the inventors did. So Da Vinci over there, probably the most brilliant person to ever exist. He didn't care where his money came from. He just created shit, right? So same thing with the cathedrals. You don't even hear who the architects are. As Mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier, all you see is this master plan that was built over centuries. So it's, it's an era of objectives, not, oh, we're going to do this and this because we're going to beat you over the head with it. That's kind of the backlash that happens after with like Protestant groups. Some of them where they take it to the other extreme of yeah, we're anti-education almost in certain things like the Calvinists were at least. Yep. So here's some interesting uh, <laughs> Goodreads reviews that I had highlighted. This person <laughs> says inconsistencies and half-truths make for an interesting narrative, but not good history. Um, he, they point out that the uh, Pied Piper was depicted as an actual historical character and murder of 130 children, which, of course, is not a real person. Um, I thought it and, was a real person. No. They're on the outside of this book, though. Um, and then they also talk about how... Actually, this is funny that this person covers it. They talk about how... And I looked this up, too. Savonarola was not loved by the people. I mean, period. the BBC says the story is likely based on actual historical incident. It's possible, but it doesn't seem like the Pied Piper was a real person. Might have been. He depicts him as probably most likely a serial killer of children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, that's what he does. Um, no, like, okay. There's a lot of propaganda, Chris, about Savonarola. All right, I you. If you're, I just thought, no, I, I wasn't. That wasn't the reason why I picked that interview out. No, no, no. But I, I'm just making the point though that like, if you're gonna say, and I'm willing to say that the Italian populace was very propaganda based against borgia okay the same thing happened from the papacy towards savonarola they had to justify his killing just saying 
I mean, that's when you look at a lot of killings were twisted in a way to make them, you know, agreeable with whoever needs to be agreeable to kill the person. Like, for example, one of the biggest reasons why Tyndale was persecuted in the first place because he was opposed to Henry VIII's divorce. He was one of the biggest proponents against it. Sir Thomas More was totally on board with Tyndale's agreement that they shouldn't, he shouldn't get the divorce, period. So Henry VIII looked for any reason to get him killed, and his Bible translation seemed like a good idea. I so, mean, that right there, though, okay, let's let's look at that for Henry, King Henry, good old boy, right? Um, if I'm just saying like that, a lot of people immediately just associate Tyndale is killed because of his Bible. That's not I really mean, what happened. He's, they're killed because of politics. And yes. a big thing about this era is that the church was heavily involved in politics more than faith. Mm-hmm. It just was like his marriage alliances. Okay, yes, there's an aspect. Of, there, there's an important aspect of marriage within the faith, but the whole motive for them to not grant that divorce to begin with was politics. The whole reason they allowed the marriage to begin with was politics. Well, wasn't the Pope captured by the Holy Emperor at the time, or or was with them? I mean, okay, this entire era, it, this entire era is popes basically captured by somebody and under the influence to make decisions in one direction or the other. It's not exactly an unbiased time frame. It was that's you have to admit that there's a crap ton of corruption involved with that. Um, yeah, but the Pope being captured and um does I mean that would affect anybody's decision making. Yes, that but that still means that the church was corrupt at the time. That that's my point. That does not. Uh, no, you're you're taking something that I agree with, and you're taking it to approve no, something I don't. Uh, no, agree with. it's not okay. The people involved in making decisions with the power of the church were corrupt at that time. Disagree. It's, it's no different than when you have the uh, popes that were basically held captive by the French king in in the other in the non-Vatican mm-hmm. location. Their their decisions were not purely faith-based object uh, objective decisions they were oh what does the french king want us to do so because we are currently guarded by french soldiers that's a legitimate thing and i think it's a fair criticism uh, uh you could say the word criticism i would not call that automatic corruption what is corruption to you chris well, corruption. This is, this, I need to know what you mean. What what does corruption? Let's get the definition of corruption because corruption to me means something entirely different than the way you're using. I'm just going to say it. If it's a pope, it can't be. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, that's not what, what I'm saying. Can is it not corrupt if you succumb to blackmail? I need to know well, that's this, a, that's an entire that's a that's a very subjective conversation that I'm not getting into right now. No, 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 like. The, Even outside of the Pope, just anyone. If yeah, you, what is let me mean? read the definition and see where I land on this one. It says, corruption is a form of dishonesty or criminal offense, which is undertaken by a person or an organization which is entrusted <laughs> to a position of authority in order to acquire illicit benefits or abuse yeah, yeah. power for one's personal gain. I, I disagree. This doesn't sound like that at all. What? what? I think we should end this conversation with the book. <laughs> I would not describe what you described as flat out institutional corruption. Does blackmail count? It does doing actions at the behest of blackmail against the, the interests of your subjects not count as corruption. 
because you are that currently sound, that sounds like that sounds like a captured self, interest that doesn't sound like a no that's a, that's a form of corruption you are doing it for personal protection that is putting your interests above others above your station even that that's okay uh, but you have to prove that that's exactly what it was and i i don't he, they, they don't look. I'm just gonna flat out say it. this book is biased against Catholicism, flat out. Okay, I Dude, don't appreciate as a, that. As a, as, as a person from a faith that is Protestant, technically, I read a, everything he writes about Martin Luther, and I find him despicable. I did in not many think ways. he was that. I didn't think he was that bad on Luther, honestly. He spent an entire like several pages about his Luther talking Basically about making him. him. I know, but that was like their, that was the humor of the, of, according to him, that was the humor of the Germans at the times. So like, why on earth are you holding that against Luther if he just had the same humor as the people he was surrounded by? No, he literally depicts him as a raving lunatic half the time. Yes. I mean, he did get struck by a lightning. Did, or did I misread that? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I, I don't know what you're talking about either. Or, yeah. or no, no, he there was, the, I'm thinking of the storm he was caught in and he prayed to God to be surviving or whatever. Anyways. All, all I'm saying is, okay, Chris, at the same time, the the era of... I feel like this guy wrote a book about an era he just hates. I feel he, like he said, you know what? I hate the medieval ages. I'm just going to write this book about something I hate. Oh, I forgot. Can we just talk, though, about how this guy... It's hilarious because it's so obvious that the that one good Dutch pope that was chosen after these corruptions... That he was totally killed. He was totally. Oh, I, I don't know about that. He was kind of old when he became the pope. They picked him. He didn't even last a year. Yeah, but and I thought he would no because they've done this before. Where like, you'll pick a you'll pick a pope that um is old, so that it's like not as long of a papacy necessarily. Like that. I mean, that's happened a lot where you pick okay, somebody who's so a good what pope. Are you, what are your older. thoughts on the Dutch pope that accidentally got chosen? Accidentally according to the Italians, because they don't want to have non-Italians as popes. And he comes in and basically validates every single accusation of the Protestants. Um, I don't know that, look, I don't know enough about that. And this book doesn't go into it enough for me to make a comment on that. But he, and then he dies within the year. I'm just saying, and then they don't elect a non-Italian until John Paul. To me, there's a lot of this. This book does a terrible job with history. It's a good story. It's a terrible job with history. And like I said before, a lot of half truths lead to a good story. Okay, well, you never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Chris, look up this Dutch Pope for me someday and tell me what you think of him. Yeah. Also, okay, I, I just have to say, like, I think the author did was very honest in what his biases were in the author's note. He didn't yeah. try to mislead the reader. But you are very biased when you're reading this. So you, you, like the fact that this is this is just the time, and also again, yeah. he's painting what people thought of the time. So, I mean, I think he did a good job. It wasn't meant to be an exhaustive look at every single possible corruption or every single like uh, monarch or pope or Luther. It's yeah. supposed to be like these things happen. These are some important parts of these things, and then you know gives you a brief overview of the of the time this is and, like hundreds of years that he has to cover in only a couple hundred pages hey and, andrew and the poker talking was, about andrew the poker talking about was 64 when he died he wasn't a young man still he died within a year of i'm just letting you know he was hated not by everybody man. hated by everybody who came in and said they were all corrupt sinners 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to say that's what he did. He basically pulled a cell phone. I mean, at least he didn't elected. put a dead corpse on trial like that other pope I found out about did. <laughs> I, Wasn't hey, that funny, Chris? And I said that to you. I was like, I was very surprised to find out about that. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, I mean, technically speaking, by the logic of the actual, you know, no, that was petty. That was ridiculous. No, 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 no. no. That's not <laughs> what I was getting. That's not at all what I was getting. At. <laughs> I'm not then, saying that a pope can't make a, a petty decision. That, that definitely can happen. But no, what I was going to get at was like, technically speaking, per the actual rules of the Catholic Church, the only person who can actually criticize a previous pope to the extent of heresy anyways, is the next pope following him or the following popes after that. Like essentially the only see that can judge the previous Holy See is a new Holy See. That's how the logic of the church works. I, I just want... So technically to... if Adrian said all those things, he was totally allowed to say those things. So they were true. The, no, he's allowed true. to say that. They, they would have been no. true. You I'm can't criticize that, that Pope, Chris. He's you can't to, criticize your Pope. I'm not criticizing him. I'm he, saying that whatever he said, he was allowed to say. I honor your Pope and say he was truthful. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, <laughs> No, so to add on to what Will said, like, the, yeah, I think this guy is very honest about his, uh, his perspective what he's trying to accomplish with this book. But more than that, I think he criticizes everybody fairly. I think the key to realize about this is that everyone's flawed, but this was a particularly flawed and brutal time period. Yeah. And you have an era of extremes and it's a pendulum swinging. So if people start to develop hatred for one group in power, be it the Catholic church or whatever it is, there's some massive extreme swings. So from you go from the drunken orgies and just spending tons of money to Calvinists over there saying you can't drink any alcohol and we're going to kill you if you do something that we think is debaucherous. So uh, era of extremes. I understand why people fled to the, to the Americas. I just... I understand it completely. <clears throat> and you can also understand why Europe became so fracturous at this time and yeah. started to fracture a lot is because of these extremes. Like, um, I mean, we're kind of seeing that now. People are becoming very polarized. And it's more reaction. It's like it's reactionary too. It, it's yeah. not even that nat uh, naturally what they're going for. Like, oh, I'm just going to go here. No, it's because I'm against you. I'm going to go here kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you this one, Chris, because, because it's not the book he's writing and not the era he's really focusing on per se. Um, but he does not give the church credit for their preservation of knowledge. In oh yeah. Categories. I meant to say that at the beginning. Yes, I totally agree. And he, but he does give them credit for sponsoring the humanists yeah. and all the universities and them existing. Yeah, he also compliments the, the Borgia Popes a couple times. He um, also compliments Pope Leo on how he yes. an artist, even um, Erasmus. Because yeah, wasn't that, wasn't Leo the sponsor of like Michelangelo and all them? Yes, but he was. But also, he compliment. He actually enjoyed some of the plays that poked fun at yes. the papacy and the debauchery. It wasn't until. They started being actually criticized by people for those behaviors <laughs> that they started to react poorly to it. So 
I mean, the Catholic Church is the reason for the universities that even brought us the Reformation. So, yeah, and, and the Renaissance, I should say. Yeah. Oh, I think I think we've all touched on this a little bit that at the time, it, you know, the church, I think church is a product of its time. It became way too embedded in the local BS politics of all these countries that it was essentially ruling. And because of that, it had to a lot of times pick the, polit the political side versus something else. And that caused, you know, some legitimate complaints, some non-legitimate complaints, so lots of fractures. Frequently. Yes. It shifted way too frequently. So when you when you're not taking a low a low time preference long term planning, they they came really into the era of just like constant shifting alliances, making it where there was no stability, and they were constantly pissing somebody off. That that is the bigger problem, right? If you can just be consistent, that can help with your preservation long term way better. Mm-hmm. Well, but it all came down to the money. They needed money. It's a, it's a, it's a which and um, <laughs> and what church still exists today? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Catholic Church still exists. For the record, I just want to point that out. Uh, but they I, did do a lot of good things. I, I, Dollars of gaming. The answer to this question is no. Yeah. Well, Andrew has made multiple. So Chris, yeah, you just to go back to the. Just to go back to the Catholic thing, Judaism still exists too, Chris. Like, yeah. what, what is your point here? I don't think any church of any anything is ever length ever of existence ended. doesn't equal per, like perfection or uh, you're above criticism. I, and I, I didn't I really say that. I didn't like say that, that stance. I didn't say that. That's not what I said. I have my um, own criticisms of various things that have happened or are happening. Yeah, and. Uh, it is what it is, but I keep those to myself because, or, you know, amongst close friends, I don't, I, I don't spread it wildly out, online, like wildfire. I just want to point out that Luther had no other choice. Not really. Uh, so the only sympathy he gets from me is that he was used by political proponents who wanted him to do it. Okay. But the, but at the that's same, the only sympathy no, he gets from me. That's no, it. At the same time, the Catholic church made it where that was the case. He had plenty of opportunities to to reconcile, and he eventually flip flopped one too many times and lost that opportunity. I don't think he ever flip flopped. I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah, I don't. He's there, he's, so you're going to tell me that he was mean to Luther? And you don't remember the flip flopping discussion in this book? There was a point. There was a point in this book where he basically says that Luther was on the verge of reconciling, and everybody was on board. And then at the last minute, he changed his mind. Yeah, because no. he gives this. Are you talking about the Augsburg Confessions? I don't remember. But I remember he said that there was a chance where he could have reconciled and he chose not to. Yeah, because he, he had to admit that he uh, didn't have a point. And he, at the end of the day, decided that he did. And he said, he and he was also threatened with death if he didn't. If yes. he, I mean, in both cases, he was threatened with death. So he decided to stick with his principles. Okay. Like, <laughs> that's. Yeah, right or wrong. I mean, I can yeah. still respect the guy for to standing up to I, I mean it's it's honestly kind of an, insane to think about we don't really have an equivalent today like standing before the president i mean we live in a free society we can do that all the time mm -hmm. but at that point just say anything like even something simple like calling out a local issue because that's what he was doing he actually thought the pope didn't know and he was calling out a local issue he gets 
you can you saw what happened. <laughs> you read what hey, happened. I mean, I for for the sake of for as far as Luther goes, as far as Salvador uh, Rolla goes, those two guys are technically martyrs, which is something that the disagree. Catholic, which the Catholic Church technically champions the concept of martyrdom. So uh, they do, but they don't. They don't champion Luther or Savonarola's martyrs. For I know Luther was able to die old age. So. But I don't remember Luther actually dying a martyr. That's what I'm saying. He died old. They just said that. Yeah, he didn't die I'm a saying, martyr. But technically, regardless. if he had been killed, he would have been a martyr. He, no. The, yeah, the only depends on who, de who decides that. See, no martyr has ever been in the main institution of power, Chris, ever. You don't. That's what you think. You're not martyred when you are the system of power. You can... So you're saying what? that let's say you're part of the system of power Rome and you go somewhere and outside your jurisdiction you get killed. You're not the system of power where you got martyred, Chris. Okay. You fair really enough. don't get martyred where but you are like I would charge. not even if it had happened to him, I would not consider him a martyr. Or Savonarola. Yeah, I would not the only reason why he wasn't either. killed is because Leo was courting the prince yeah. for the next Holy Roman Emperor. So that's the only reason right. why. He wasn't killed. I and I maybe things would be different if Leo had gotten his way. Who knows? Probably not because probably not. Again, it wasn't it wasn't Luther himself. He he, he just happened to be at the right time. Well, the wrong place, wrong time. Depends well, I've said this more than once. Do I think that if Luther had existed a hundred years prior or a hundred years after the time frame he actually existed in, do I think his thoughts and whatnot would have been in such a big deal to the point where? He was persecuted the way he was. I, I think he probably would have gotten away with his opinions a little more 100 years prior, 100 years after. I think a lot of what happened to him was political, not necessarily within the church, but outside the church. Okay, but isn't that kind of messed up? I think he was used by political proponents against well, the church. I have to ask you quick, Chris. Okay, so he's he's being used. I think he had someone. some flaws. I think he definitely has. Well, some yeah, flaws. he's human Everyone in his hurts. thought process and his theology. I mean, has he's, some flaws, so the Pope, he's human. Yes. He's human. So I guess who persecuted him though? Well, eventually because of the political forces using him, he was eventually no. had to be stifled by the church. Yeah. No. So I guess, I mean, you're saying this the church then is susceptible to political machinations outside of faith. I think that he was elevated past a level of, um, importance i think he was elevated past level of importance by political proponents against the church and therefore he had to be stomped down for his bad theology wait 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 if the i church... didn't say they needed to kill him necessarily, no, no no wait but... though wait though wait though if you're saying that his ideas theoretically would have been potentially acceptable no that's not what i said no no for debate and discussion and not being like oh we're gonna you have to completely recant or we'll deem you a heretic and kill it and excommunicate you and kill you. If he, if you're saying that, then theoretically the power was completely within the churches to just say, to accept Luther still and his ability to have discourse. No, to no, the no, point no, that, no. Wait, wait, wait to the point you're that misquoting he me. would have told the people who were trying to use him politically to go, F themselves, but instead he's threatened and he has to rely on those people trying to use him for protection. That's the environment that's created. Like I think I don't his, I, I think still, his F, go ahead. 
I still don't understand why you can't just have Lutheranism be no different than Augustinian monks. Yeah, because he had bad theology. He wanted to remove multiple. He wanted to remove the, the freaking letter of Saint James from the Bible. That was one of the things he wanted to do. I'm just saying that there are elements. He had bad of, theology, and I know I don't think there should be an order of Luther. Are you are you telling church. me that every single person has great theology that has? I'm that saying that his theology was deeply flawed. I mean, even That's my Augustinian, even August Augustine has some things that are now dismissed chris so i don't know i don't even know what you're saying here yeah i'm i'm saying that I'm, those bad like the, the removing the letter that's something to be like hey let's have a discussion that's a terrible idea okay move on now yes we're not even and i think that, that i think that's that a... i think he was elevated personally elevated by proponents against the church and motivated to continue on with his ideas past a point where he was able to be accepted back into the church because a whole movement formed behind him that was anti-church. AKA I mean, Protestantism. I would say That's that also tied to what we were saying, where German over half of Germany's wealth was controlled by the church. I understand what you're saying, Andrew. I'm, I'm saying that greed on both ends, man, greed on both ends. And in the Bible, there's nothing that would have supported having more than 10% for God. So, um, that's some extreme greed when you think about it. I cannot make a statement as I don't know enough about Germany's setup of their economy at the time. I don't, I really don't. I haven't studied it. I don't remember that actually being in this book either. I know and that they talk about money being an issue. He talks about how much about. wealth was estimated to have been controlled by the church. And again, I do think that there are some anti-Catholic biases in this book. Personally, which is why I don't like the book personally. Okay, I'm. I'm just. But saying, I did like. I did think his section on Magellan was good. I'll give him that. I thought Magellan was I, decent. As as going just going back to it real quick, I don't think that having an order of Luther at, for monks would have been acquiescing to say that every single thing he says is right, and that's what the Catholic Church is going to follow. But he also has plenty of other ideas where it's like, how is some of his concepts, how are they that different than Jesuits, in a sense, when it comes to, like, the disdain for the um, extravagance and stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's I there's think you're mixing up Jesuits like, with Franciscans. Or Franciscan. I don't – dude, <laughs> aren't Jesuits kind of communists? Don't uh, we have a Jesuit pope right now? I was not – that's not at all what you were talking about. So I'm going to address what you were actually okay. talking about, which is the Franciscans who, yes. who actually um, do swear off pretty much all forms of wealth, period. They do. And they also have the Crips and the Freaky. Yeah, it is pretty weird. But I'm just that, saying that, that is a that is a legitimized true order of the church, whereas there are no internal orders for Luther because they never reconciled. Okay, period. but that's... But I Which is crazy because a lot of the stuff that he actually brings up uh, with a minor, some sticking points that have really developed after him, honestly, uh, was was reconciled with Vatican II. So uh, you really could yeah. have a Lutheran order. I don't think you'd call it that because it would be all controversial and stuff. Yeah. But you could have people who follow that and be Catholic today. 
Well, the other the Especially other half what of he that, was actually also, saying, not, Chris, not what has been developed. Yeah, but let me let me Chris, let me let me finish that thought though, Will, because I know you're saying that. But the, the problem is, is you don't create a new order when orders overlap. So if what he said or what he was doing would already overlap with another order, there'd be no reason to create a new order or make a subset of an order that already exists. Uh, those just, exist. I, I, all I'm saying is that it's it would have been possible if the church today was the church then. It what Andrew is saying would have been possible. And also, when you look at what he was saying early on, his early stuff before yes. before it became a fight. His complaints about local clergy skimming off the top mm -hmm. probably had some weight to him. Okay, but well, then he developed bad theology and had all kinds of issues with the that church. That was later, though. A I lot understand, of his... and no, I know that wait, he went wait, a little Chris, crazy Chris, towards Chris, the end. Chris, when 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 we're talking about his bad theology, that was when the that was after. His and it was worst reactionary. stuff was after and reactionary to his poor, piss poor treatment by the church itself. That that's the. Key I mean, you can't argue this. that he dedicates most of his pre early letters, and the way he writes them is he does not think the Pope is at fault. Yeah, I know that. I know that he did not initially say that. I know, but then he gets punished. Yeah, so then he's going to. Really, well, yeah. it's all to the top. We're yeah, not. We're not saying he's well, a no, bad. He gets... We're not saying he's a, a perfect person here. But like he definitely isn't because he's 100 not but he he's very vindictive i would say that because once they you know go after him he starts to go reactionary and say that they all suck in return yeah but they they get so he like i don't want to spend this whole podcast time with luther he had plenty of chances to reconcile he chose not to for whatever reasons he felt were necessary that it just means that I don't personally follow his theology. I just know that some of his theology that I've read on, I, I don't agree with. I know the church doesn't agree with it. And I think that a lot of what happened to him was politically involved with the monarchs and the powers that be at the time. I think if he had had the opportunity to sit down and make discussion and do his actual reconciliation with the church, I think that the church would not view him the way they do today. He did not. None of that happened, though. Well, he wasn't really invited to do that. He was multiple times. He had plenty of options to try to. Not yeah, not honestly. Well, I mean, that's your opinion. I just well, it's not a discussion when you're like when you're just called to recant or die. Yeah. I mean, again, you have to think about the time frame. Yes. Yeah, so also look at how like when did each of these things occur? Did they occur earlier, later? At what point in time? I just he... have to point out that the treatment of Savonarola is very chilling to trusting anything. Yeah, and also Luther defends that that he, he I believe that's the guy he ends up defending and what ends up really making him step step in it is that he defends what Savonarola says. And then no, he because, defends, I think he defends No, he he you know is a Huss or Huss yeah. or something. It was uh, he defends guy someone guy who, who the church had already killed as a heretic and he said yeah. Um, and because of that, the person who, who he was debating led him down the path of saying that a council could err. And that's really what screwed him in the end, because at that point, I guess to Chris's point, I guess, is that he was fully reconcilable. The church didn't really care about him at the time. But as the moment he said that, that's when things really hit the fan for him. And can we just point out that the whole purpose of those debates when it comes to the cardinals and stuff, is to get you to say something they can kill you for. Yes, it, I mean that was, a, that was the express purpose. Yeah, man, it, it kind of, it's kind of the for him at least. That was express purpose for him. 
Yeah, like they, they well, literally I, try that, so they they win by threatening to kill you, and then they have that power over you. It's no longer a debate. You have one choice, recant, or they now have an excuse to kill you. That's the ultimate checkmate in a debate in the era. I, I so I I don't know exactly what in this book that describes Luther is accurate what's inaccurate because there's so many inaccuracies in this book that are small details half truths etc so if we wanted to discuss this more in depth i think it would be better if we actually did some kind of background research on this more so oh than my gosh done. chris can i get you to read luther's catechism <laughs> i watched that stupid luther movie from 2003 i don't know what that is but you want me to it was very inaccurate portraying. You watched the dramatic, dramaticized and, and movie man. from Hollywood on religion, Chris, and it was inaccurate. Holy crap! It was awful. You should read the Catechism. This would be amazing. I would love for you to go through that. <laughs> I'd have to take so many notes just to make sure I'm keeping track of what I'm. I wish I would have kept better notes on this book personally. My That's notes are I not very. I always take notes when I read a book, Chris. Now, I do know that, um, well, let's just put it this way. If we were to cover something like that, that would be like way further on <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, I would need like lots it. of time to, to delve into that. And then it'd be like a straight up theological discussion, not a book discussion, but which is what this is turning into. So I want to get into us actually rating this book yeah, and okay. giving, ahead, a, giving what we liked about it, what we disliked about it. Um, I think it's very clear. I liked the Magellan story i thought it was good i thought that was actually the best part of this book um but there were some other parts that it's like okay i didn't know that about this time period or or like i had to actually do more research this book prompted me to do more research so the magellan part elevates it from a one for me because I, I had some biases going into this book to I, I would even go as high as a two and a half but i know you guys are gonna give it much higher reviews than me so i'm gonna <laughs> stick to my two um, but the only redeeming quality for me, because it's the only part that's an actual linear story, is the Magellan story. So part three, I would skip the rest of this book and just read part three, and I'd, I would have been much happier. And if Tom Hanks wasn't part of it, Tom Hanks was awesome. I think that ruined the book for you. Tom Hanks was, that forward by Tom Hanks ruins this book. Don't read Tom Hanks's forward. Just read the author note and then read the book, or don't read it at all, because that's what I should have done. Oh right. my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> for my rating, um, I'll do what I, I, I enjoyed the pacing. I enjoyed the cursory glance at a lot of the major players in this time. Um, I enjoyed some of the little bit humorless, you know, again, some of the stuff they talked about the popes and how they, they reacted to some of the things. And then also it's, it was hilarious to me for him poking fun at Luther for the poop stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then Magellan was also interesting. And Magellan's just a cool guy. And also that, uh, voyage in general is just really interesting given the fact that he didn't know if he was going to fall off the edge of the earth. Um, something that didn't like is I, I said before is that he made it bleaker than it probably should have been. Uh, there was a lot of things that the Catholic church and Christendom in general preserved during this time. And it, it would have been cool better if he had spent more time on that instead of just a little bit here and there. Um, and then you know, some of the uh, actual scholars of the time who has pushed back on this book are openly dismiss it, really focus on the, the the crux of the book is the medieval mind. How do people view this time? And they made it, he makes it very bleak. They really, you know, they, they live, they died, 
that's basically it. Very sad. Um, but I guess there is some more contemporary historical stuff that shows that they were more hopeful. Uh, they weren't nearly as bleak. It just was a shorter lifespan and they, it was a little bit more brutal than it is now, essentially. Uh, I still think it's really good. I know Chris hated it. Uh, definitely. I, I do think that the guy is openly uh, has an open anti-Christian bias. He's not, he doesn't, he hide absolutely that. does. He doesn't hide it. It puts in the off. No, he also has it in the very beginning. And I, I pointed that out. So if you're going into that, knowing that he is not um, going to sugarcoat Christianity for you, uh, then yeah, I think you can get a lot out of this book. It shouldn't be the end all be all for this era. Again, it just touches on things. He very much takes a stance in some things that are murky. Um, and yeah, so anyway, I still think it was good. So I would give it a four. <laughs> I, I still enjoyed it for what it was. Um, it was well-written. I didn't find a bunch of errors as far as gram grammatical errors. Uh, it kept me interested. There's a couple things I disagree with, a couple things I thought were wrong, especially after I looked it up. But overall, <laughs> it was good. Um, overall, I think I agree with you, Will. Uh, I would say, as already mentioned previously, I think he needs to read the Bible before he starts talking yes. about the different uh, things that are key principles and traits of the Bible that are appreciated, you know, because um, justice is <laughs> very freaking important in the Bible. And he's trying to claim that that's a pagan thing. Um, yeah, that whole of, intro section, kind of I might actually take it down to 3.5 because that was, that was <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to so, lie. He's, it's really bad. I know it, in fairness, those were also very much Roman. So, like, if he had just said that they weren't solely Christian principles, because... Yeah, I mean, I mean other Paul, cultures have Paul, come to those things, yeah. Yeah, like, Paul being a Roman citizen in the Bible, it's like, yeah, he a lot of these things that are Christian principles are being applied because of Roman law to Paul. So, um, well, I, I mean, as, he, as an aside, we've discussed, like, why... Christianity was able to flourish in Roman culture. Yeah. That's a whole I mean, other discussion. Aside, yeah, as we've discussed it aside, a lot of principles in Christianity align with what Romans aspire to, too. So it's not, if he had simply said that these were not solely Christian virtues, yeah, I, I would have been a little bit more in, in alignment with it because Stoicism does have those same virtues. Um, but also, but yeah. I don't, like even bring that up, I don't understand the point of what he was trying to do. Other than <laughs> no, it's, it shows his biases. Yes, exactly. He's trying to point out that like Christianity owes roots to paganism, which makes no sense. Yeah, and I think it's a val it's valuable to see the politics of the era because I do think that this was a very power corrupted era of human history, be it the church of all denominations. Um, but like. It's one of those things where most people don't really look at it. And I think it's important to get that timeline to see that people are people. Yeah. Um, also that, gets us to now. Like, why is the U.S. the U.S.? Yeah, I think, I think this is a very good perspective on why we have values that we have. What, what created our founding documents even. Because the guilt, you're innocent, you know, you're not innocent until proven guilty. You're guilty until proven innocent in this world. And it's usually death and they're not wanting any discourse and free speech at all. It's if someone in power wants to get rid of you, you're gone. And it just shows also the fact that even in that era, nothing could stop the hunger for knowledge, right? Nothing could stop that 
desire to accomplish things. Um, it's very valuable. I I do have a problem with the fact that he does not give enough credit for um, the church preserving a lot of things, or even the fact that the he does give credit that the universities were developed and established by the church, but I don't think he necessarily does it as enough of a kudos kind of thing. Um, but it's more of like an afterthought. Yeah, it's more of an afterthought. It's It's like he's begrudgingly admitting it. Yeah, he's like begrudgingly admitting it in the sense that like the church created their own downfall, uh, their own challenger, I guess is how he kind of frames it. Um, And like it developed a a mind of its own and doesn't owe itself to it. Um, But Overall, I think it's a good book. I think the Magellan part is just interesting in general to learn more about what was Magellan's downfall because everyone knows he dies, but not many people, I think, really realize why he dies. The fact that he kind of captures, snatches defeat from the jaws of victory in a sense. Um, But I think given, I think that needs this whole part one, part two, just to describe how he gets there. Um, because he takes a very extreme position, right? When he's trying to convert the locals and you need to understand why he would do such a thing when he's a product of such an extreme time. Yeah. Also, cause yeah, because if you're going into it with your modern sensibilities, sensibilities, yeah. you would probably be like, why would he even spend the time to do this? Exactly. And I think without having read parts one and two, I don't think you can really understand how he can have one achieved everything he dreamed to achieve and then go kind of crazy. Um, so I want to give it a 3.5 as well. Yeah. I, it's his biases are annoying, but I can't fault him too much just because he, he is upfront about it. Right. And it's not the story he's trying to tell. He's trying to tell the mindset of extremism, I think in the era. So, so I think our average rating is a three based on that. Yeah. I can't I can't give a four just because he does pick a narrative for the sake of having a narrative instead yep. of uh, providing the extra context and that some things are disputed. So yeah. he's fair to the Borges, I think, but he does pick the narrative that he thinks is most he thinks he can most support given the evidence, which is also, it's it's fair, but it kind of goes, it doesn't necessarily factor in the context of Italian propaganda against a Spanish Pope, well, a Catalan Pope. So, um, gotta have the correct Because, <laughs> yes, Spain is like multiple things at this time. Yeah. But um, anyways, um, I know that we've gone on much longer than we planned to at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, um, if we do cover some more (laughs) middle, middle ages books, or if we do eventually cover the catechism of Luther or something, if we do any of those things, I'm sure this theological discussion will get much more heated than it did today. (laughs) But, uh, I can say for a fact that I will not probably ever pick this book up and read it again. This is probably the only time I'll give it a read. But um, I'll be honest, Chris, any rereading books, unless it's a fun book, 
You don't just go back and reread it unless you're trying to learn something again about it. So I'd rather reread the last battle again. Yes, <laughs> I mean that's a, that's not the worst book ever if you stop at page two hundred. <laughs> no, you just read the last ten pages. There you go. <laughs> but, because uh, you hated that monkey so much. I did. <laughs> Anyways, as always, I'm Chris, and I'm Will, and I'm Andrew. And uh, we'll see you all on the next uh, Printed and Press. Uh, we should or... say what book that is, Chris. Oh, yeah. Is the next one Robert Galbraith, or is it a different one? It's the Out of the Silent Planet, Chris. No, is it? Oh, yeah, this is Will's book. Yeah, it's Out of the Silent Planet. You're right. It is a C.S. Lewis <laughs> book. My goodness. And then after that, I think, is the Robert Galbraith book, right? J.K. Rowling, for yes. those who don't know. Yes, that cool. is it. And the Sound of the Planet is like a 130-page book, so I expect all of y'all paying attention to read it short yeah it's i mean of... if you're not reading along to these books yet what are you guys doing <laughs> why are you watching this <laughs> join our book club and yeah. get literate all right let's <laughs> i'm gonna start posting yes oh look at this colors of gaming likes that one he says space trilogy slaps that's right it's a good series anyways i'm gonna start posting in the community tab on youtube the books that are coming up so that people can see it even if they're you know too lazy to join our goodreads book club or our book club's book club yeah. At least you'll know what book's coming next. So, anyways, like I said, as always, uh, this has been printed and pressed, and uh, we'll subscribe. see you on the Krillcast next subscribe. week, but printed and pressed in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Yep, subscribe, subscribe, like, follow, whatever you got to do on the platform you're on, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.